Hey friends, welcome to the Life with Chris and Tatum podcast, where each week we'll talk about practical and relevant topics to help you live a life of freedom and purpose. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, please visit lifefellowship.tv. And now let's tune in with Chris and Tatum. Hey guys, welcome to Life with Chris and Tatum. We're so excited that you're joining us again for another great week. Woohoo! Yes. For all of you who do not know, Chris and I are the pastors of Life Fellowship Church here in McKinney, Texas. And we just want to say thanks for listening. We always enjoy getting to hear like feedback from you. So many of you in the last couple of weeks that I've either bumped into around our church or have sent me emails telling me that you're listening. And I have to tell you, it kind of makes my day. Mm-hmm. It's just fun to know there's actually other people on the other side of this microphone. We almost have a little uh, community because we tell things in this setting that we never, I never have a chance really to share on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And so there's Sometimes like- Sometimes uh, he goes pretty personal. Yeah. And there's like- <laughs> But we we have a little community of people that we are all on the inside track uh, on some internal language and some internal stories, My, and yeah. it just makes life fun. It It's so fun doing life with God's people, and I'm so glad that you guys are with us on this journey. Hey, today, I'm very passionate about this, this topic. Uh, we're going to talk about how to raise rock-solid kids. Yes. So for those of you listening, maybe not all of you even have kids, but many of you are aunts or uncles, or you will have kids one day in the future. Maybe you're an older brother or a sister to younger kids, and your influence is making and shaping who they're becoming. And so a lot of this is going to be applicable even if you yourself don't have No matter children. who you are, yeah. yeah, because there are always kids looking up to you. There sure are. Like we have, Watching you know, we have eyes. high schoolers that junior hires look up to them. We have junior hires that in our church that elementary kids look up to. They sure are. So every one of us can put this into into practice today. And we're going to draw on some of our our life experience that we've had. Yeah. So we have two kids now that are almost, well, kind pretty much grown. I was going to say almost grown. They really are. Our oldest daughter's 21 now, and our son is turning 19 this week. They're both out of high school and love Jesus. They're not perfect people by any means. We are empty nesters. Do you know that? I know. It's such a weird thing. Let's not talk about it because it makes my emotions go all over the place. (laughs) I don't want to go there right now. (laughs) I'm avoiding. No. Um, Yeah. But But it's it's hard to raise kids in in culture right now. Uh, I I tip my hat to parents uh, that are trying to navigate these, uh, these waters right now with all of the confusion fusion that's in culture with yeah. every... In fact, let me just say this. In January 2022, we're going to be putting together a parent summit that we're going to resource parents and help them to really be able mm-hmm. to navigate some of the... Uh, a lot of the things that are going on digitally, all of the uh, the gender confusion, mm-hmm. how do we address identity, that? The identity, who they are in Christ. all yeah. of these things, we want to give you the best yeah. tools yep. of the day. And really, what, what does God's word have to say? That's the say best about tool. This? Yeah, teaching you. But how we're, to do we're putting it. it like it's an entire day. We're planning it now. It's so going to be. Be, lo- be on the lookout for those of you that are locally and you're around uh, Life Fellowship or, or can come here for yeah. that um, that day in January. But 
No, we want to talk today about Again, how, yeah. how, how, do, how do you do it? How do you raise kids that are rock solid in their faith and in their who they are and that they're grounded on the Because they're going through the struggles and adversities and challenges. So here's some things that we think um, would be great to implement into raising, raising these kids. So the first one's going to be that we have to give um, our kids a foundation of faith, a foundation that's based on faith. Um, we know that kids are going to be confident in um, their beliefs and that that is really shaping um, who they are over time. We want to equip them that they're impacting the world and help them really develop what a relationship looks like with God from an early age. So the best way that children learn or kids learn, no matter what their age is, uh, their faith is by what, what, uh, you model for them. They, they learn this, uh, through an example. Mm -hmm. Not it. How else do I say it? I have some practical ways to say it that I want to talk about. Um, just things that Chris and I did and that many of you are doing now, but I think beginning um, from early on, them hearing and knowing, experiencing you praying with them is super impactful. And it sounds, it is very basic. You know, my mom did that every single day when I went off to uh, school. Yeah, She would pull all of us together and she would pray over me. And I remember making an impact on my life. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, uh, this and we've, can, we've, we did that for our kids. Yeah. We would pull them together. We'd pray, pray over them. Pray over them. Even the smallest thing, I'm thinking about those of you who are raising really young kids, even maybe toddlers, and you think they don't get it, they can't understand. That's not true. Actually, now is when, when you begin teaching them if they fall off their bike and scrape their knee. I remember teaching our kids when they were little and this happened. We would pray, Jesus, heal their whatever it is, the yeah, scrape, the, the cut. And I would say... God is going to heal this watch. He's going to make, um, we called it a Band-Aid, like a scab. This is God's Band-Aid. He's going to make it. It's going to heal, and new skin is going to grow. Look what God's done. You're beginning to teach them in very, very easy-to-understand ways. God is working, and when we pray, He hears us, and He heals us. And so— um, So I th- you can, can, let me just add some other things here. Yeah. So, when when we uh, we show so I think it's again I think faith is more caught than taught. That's true. That's good. And I think that you know a lot of times we think well if I can just have them listen Hear to it. all these different things yeah you have to I, show I speak them. messages every week and yeah. if I were to say hey what did I preach last year they're gonna go I have no idea what you yeah. preached. No, you show them by example, like praying over an actual physical need that maybe you have. When they get sick, do we go immediately and do this and call the doctor? Yeah, we call the doctor. But I also then I'm going to say, Jesus, in your name, I pray that their stomach would stop, that it would settle, that this fever would be gone, that they're hearing you repeatedly praying over whatever the need is in your house or in your home that day. Some things that I think um, are tools that, Yes, the enemy uses, but also there's great tools that God can use that are impacting our kids' lives right now in massive ways, and that's media. So, um, you know, and and music, what our kids are listening to, what, what our kids are watching, what type of books are your young children reading, and do they are they hearing like Bible stories? Are they hearing truth? Do they hear from you when you read about 
you know, um, Cinderella, and then did, are, are we teaching them and saying, hey, Cinderella is not actually a real story. That's a fun one, but let's read also this. And they're hearing a Bible story. So one of the things I would do when I would put the kids to bed when they were younger is I would tell them stories about when I would pray for people and see God heal them. Mm-hmm. Or I would tell stories about, you know, uh, being in different places and watch God move on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Or I'd tell them, you know, some different stories from from Scripture Uh and and maybe maybe you have not yet had um, you know these massive miraculous stories that you can tell your kids, but you can tell them the story of your life. You can still tell and the you can st- tell them Bible stories. Those are miraculous mm-hmm. stories. You we can, can tell stories. Yeah, pull from those. Do you remember? I'm thinking mm-hmm. of something I wanted to. Well, I know. I know where you're going. Just say it, and I'll tell you if you if this is what you're going to you say. You know what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I was going to. Uh, I just as an example uh-huh. for probably like at least a year, if not more. Nash would always want to hear the same Bible story when he was probably like three, four-ish. I knew you were going to say, I've been married to you for so long. I know what you're going to say next. we raised our kids together, so we know this. But he loved the story of David and Goliath. Loved. I'm talking, was like obsessed. Like, tell me the story of David and Goliath. And we would lay in bed and talk about the story. Tell it again, Dad. Tell Tell it it again. again. Yeah, Yeah, he would get so excited. And I got him like a sword, like a plastic sword. Mm -hmm. And he had a shield and pretend like you can be David. But David had a slingshot. I know, but he, hold on, I'm going okay. somewhere. Okay. I'm going somewhere because the end okay. of the story. I know. There was a time when when Nash was young enough, we didn't tell him actually that David cut off Goliath's head because mm-hmm. that's a little violent, right? And But when he got a little bit older mm-hmm. and he wasn't going to have nightmares well, about it. When we told it, him the first time, he like. The first time his eyes are like gigantic. And that's what I'm talking about, the, sto- the sh- yeah. shield and the sword. He would get like jump up and down he cut off his head? Dad, he cut off his head. He <laughs> thought it was like the coolest thing. I'm just saying, <laughs> there are a- biblical stories that, yes, there's so much adventure and truth and miraculous thing that God does. And let's tell our kids about this, how God came through for them and how he's going to come through for them. So we have, um, can I just put a plug mm-hmm. for some resources really quick for yeah. those of you that are listening that think, I don't know what my kids could be watching that could teach them more biblical truths. So we've partnered with this amazing company who's actually our neighbor called Right Now Media. My fellowship has. And we have um, a little link on our website for those of you who want to get access called, to watch. Yeah, right Now Media. Like thousands and thousands. There's like a whole kids program. It's free for you. It's free. You literally just go they can watch on create apps. an account and they can watch it. Talk about, I mean, there's nothing better than- All kinds of kids programming yeah, tons, like Nickelodeon style stuff. about the truth of God's word and it's free for you. Again, I would come back to the way that you deposit faith in your kids so that they know God's word is they have to see the example in you. Yeah. A lot of times people uh, regulate uh, training up kids to the church and the reality yeah, is wrong. when you look yeah. at the at how many hours uh, a week that we have with kids, yeah. your kids, we may have one, possibly two hours. Yeah, versus and, every day. I mean, day. how many hours is that? 24 times seven. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's astronomical, the, the, the difference. So take advantage of that. And the best thing you can do is that they would need to see the example. So they need to see you worshiping. They need to see you reading your Bible. Mm-hmm. They need to see you praying. They need to see you making it a priority to be in in, in church. They, I think that they need to see you with your hands lifted in services and just, yes. uh, just pursuing God and being at prayer meetings. And I saw that in my parents and it, and it, it made an impact on my difference. life for forever. Yeah. And think about even for those of you who are saying like, um, 
And if you haven't ever done that, and, and you haven't ever start. seen it modeled, yeah. just just come along with me on this journey. I want to help you to learn what uh, normal looks like in as a as a as a, uh, as a godly yeah. man, as a godly couple, uh, really raising raising your kids and it infuse them into. It needs to be a part of everyday life. Into God's God's principles and promises. And it's gonna be yeah, and you can do it. Don't let the enemy tell you that you just that you don't have enough faith to be able to posit that faith on the inside of them. Not at all. Take those steps and do it now. Don't if if you wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Do it now. Just just surrounding them with truth. Here's the second thing you can do to raise rock solid kids. Let them take risks. I say it like this. Sometimes it's risky not to take risks. Yeah. And this can be hard for us as parents. We were to talking do, about the other day that so important. Obviously, between you and I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very much more so the Chris risky. This is a big risk taker, and I tend to be like more. Let's so the thing with kids safe, is but... is that anytime that they try to do something, we're like, "Hey, don't do that. You can get hurt. Hey, stop doing that. You're gonna you're gonna break it. You're gonna you're not." Mm-hmm. And, I, and we've got to do a good job of letting them still explore. Yeah, and still try and still try, even if you know, like they're they might fall, or yeah, they might actually try out for that and not make it. It's okay because in in the long run, actually protecting our kids um, is is really failing them. <laughs> it's teaching them that how, they need to learn how to manage like disappointment because life is disappointing, right? Let's just be real. There's going to be mm-hmm. a, a lifetime of not making the team and not getting what you thought, not the period of time that you thought I would be at this point in my life and I'm not like that's just how life goes and so if we constantly protect 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 we are putting them at a disadvantage by not allowing them to like navigate those emotions when they're young when you can help steer their anger or their frustration or their so let me just okay so for us Right now, this is life with Chris and Tatum. Yeah, our son just went off to uh, to college. He did. Okay, and so like for us, uh, I know that Tatum, you've been wanting to, you know, hey, I want to, I want to text him, find out where he's at, is he doing okay? And I'm of the other side. I'm thinking, mm, mm-hmm. just let him. If he if he makes, if there's some disappointments that happen or what have you, if he oversleeps or whatever, yeah, that's on him. Yeah. No, I'm not, I don't want to wake him up. I'm yeah. just saying. I'm I'm definitely the more like mother hen girl of the parent role. And Chris is like, let them go. Let it's them okay. fly. They'll never <laughs> learn to fly unless you let them, yeah. let them go. Let them take risk. So it's true and it's important. And it's shaping who they're going to be as adults um, by literally allowing them to make it make your own decision and if the consequence is a bad one or is a difficult one that is going to teach you like do you know what i mean there was a point where um actually i have a friend who is a teacher and used to say it's like the frustration of managing um parents who constantly rescue their children is not allowing their children to like learn the responsibility of getting older so if you're kid is constantly forgetting their homework and they spend a lot of time doing their homework and you always bring it up to the office because you want them to get the credit. They're not going to, as hard as it is to say, they're like not going to remember that I should put my homework back in my backpack. So what this, this is called, this the what we actually have, so it used to be helicopter parents. Mm-hmm. Now we have what's called lawnmower parents. 
What Explain. Lawn, lawnmower parents are those that are actually going out there and mowing the yard for their kids, even though it was the kid's responsibility. Yeah. So it used to be people just hovering around and just, oh, I'm just, you know, so, and now we're, we've taken it to another level that we are, we're taking up Not the homework. Not we, but some to, people, to, to yeah, the, or doing it for them. You're just like, I'll just write it, write it for you, whatever. Anyway, I'm just trying to give you the understanding. And I know a lot of you know this, but it can be hard to see your kids fail or to take a risk and know they might get hurt. They might be disappointed. That is part of growing up that matures them, that teaches them the balance between I'm going to try again. So I failed, but I'm going to get up and give it another shot. And we need that strengthens our kids. Because life is going to knock them down. And listen, they need, they need to experience those moments of getting knocked down after taking a risk while they're still in your care. While, while they're still uh, having your influence in their life. Yeah. Because when they get out in it. the real world, mm-hmm. they're going to get knocked down and nobody's going to be there to say, come on, man, you can get back up and yeah. we're going to do this together, buddy. And and if they've never learned that because they've always been protected, they don't know what that disappointment feels like. Yeah, they sure don't. It just knocks you totally off course. So we have to let our kids take risks. It's risky not to take risks. Number three. Let them work for it. Oh my goodness, this is huge. We actually have a generation right now that has been called the high expectation, low sweat generation. Wow. So there's this, I need. I have this expectation that everyone's going to do all these things for me, that everything's going to come my way, mm-hmm. but I don't have to work for, for it. I don't have to put the sweat equity into it. I don't need to- If put, parents have always given everything that they always want, then there's just an expectation. Why don't I get it? I should have- this whatever name the materialistic thing or the mm-hmm. role or the position or the office with the window or whatever um yeah no they have to we have to teach our kids to put forth the effort or to sacrifice something to get what they want and i think it's just part of good parenting whether it'll bless them for the rest of their lives yeah. if they learn how to work put that work ethic yeah. on the inside my dad taught me that my dad constantly showed me, he put an example in front of me that we're going to work hard. We're going to work hard. Chris, we're going to work first and then we can play. So yep. we're, we're going to work. That's a statement our kids have heard you yeah. say over and over and over their whole lives. So we're going to work first and then we can because play. Because the reality is that, is that a lot of people are like, uh, I'm just going to lay here for a while. I'm going to just do this. And maybe I'll go do all that other, other stuff. The work later. Yeah. And it's called procrastination. Yeah. And that just causes things to build up on top of each other. Yeah. And and then that becomes a habit in all other aspects of life. So true. And if we want them to excel someday in the marketplace and, you know, in in, in raising life, their own kids and, and their doing, life and, yeah. and, and how they create habits and whatever, they've got to learn that it t- nothing just accidentally happens. Yeah. You don't just accidentally get healthy. You don't accidentally, you know, become successful. You don't mm-hmm. accidentally make great strides uh, spiritually. It takes hard work. It does. Okay. I have something I want to talk about practically from okay. our life when our kids were younger that I think was like, it's going to maybe sound like a little bit cheesy, but it was so helpful in teaching and training them to work hard. Um, to save. So, and then how to spend. Let me tell you all what we did. So um, for years and years and years, we had a system in our house that we, it was like a ticket system. So probably from the time the kids were like around, I don't know, three or four, five years old, we began um, 
we wanted to teach them about like doing chores and starting young, like age appropriate, right? They weren't scrubbing the floors when they were three years old, but we did want them to start learning how to like make their bed, pick up your toys, you know, brush your teeth, those sort of basic things. And um, we honestly just never had like, um, I think I heard this idea from a friend. I don't remember why we started it. Anyway, we bought a roll of tickets and um, like raffle tickets. Blakely had red ones, Nash had blue ones. And we began just um, wanting to reward them like in a, in a practical way in, instantly, right? When they did something right um, by giving them a ticket and then also teaching them to, to save these and they could cash them in for like a certain amount of money or as they got a little bit older, if they wanted to have like a Coke at dinner so we didn't let them have Boy, like we soft saw both drinks of their all the personalities time. too between the two of them. Nash would spend his money and Blakely would, she would save up <laughs> her tickets. <laughs> so anyway, that was a little thing that really worked well for us. They got like, I think they could have up to each ticket was worth was, was worth, worth a, 25 cents. Like a quarter. Oh, I remember Blake, one day she turned in her tickets. I'm like, dude, this girl just cleaned out my bank account. She had like 150 bucks worth of tickets. Yes, but it was a it was a practical way to teach them to work for what, like they could do extra chores if they wanted to earn more. So, hey, if you want more tickets, then you can vacuum the living room or you can go help dad wash the car. You can Windex the wind, like whatever. Mm-hmm. They could earn extra but at the same time, just for doing your basic, like they had, they didn't have an option. I had the kids give my give me a little ba- uh, back massage. I'm like, that, that's, that's, a, that's a ticket, kids. <laughs> if you can get a real good back massage, they're both down there just trying to massage. Dad, is this good? A uh, little, little harder. Anyway. All right. Ticket for you and a ticket for you. What it did though, it was, it, it taught them how to work for um, some small reward but then they also could save, you know, those tickets. I remember we bought like glass tall jars so that the kids could see through it and like see as their tickets were piling up and building up. It got exciting for them. And then it also taught them like how to manage that. So yeah, take it or leave it. Okay. Number number four, share lessons from your own life. So your kids love hearing stories. And grandparents, let me tell you this, my kids they light up when my mom and dad mm-hmm. tell stories from their life and from their past. They sure do. They listen intently. They giggle. I mean, even at this age now, mom and dad were just here this last weekend. Yeah. And on that Sunday night, that they're getting ready to, dad spoke that morning, uh, Labor Day weekend. That night, we're just all sitting around the dinner mm-hmm. table. Mom and dad are just telling all these stories. We are laughing. Yeah. Our they're kids telling love all it. these things about what life was like when they were growing up. My kids, I mean, yeah. They're out of the house and they're giggling, yeah. laughing, but they'll never forget those moments. And you need to tell stories about your life. Mm-hmm. They need to hear about, wow, this is, man, you went through Yeah, let challenges. them hear about your own struggle or your own, what you overcame as a, as a kid or as a, a young adult so that they can understand like, life isn't only what they can see through their lens of 15 or 20 years. There was... We have an entire generation then. right now that they don't know how to start a lawnmower. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like how, how to actually turn a lawnmower on? How to how to how to, how to how to fill your car up with gas? How to um, how to do laundry? How to uh, how to cook a dinner? Yes. I mean all. The, I mean simple simple things. I mean how to balance. You know we we are walking through with our kids. Uh, here's how you you manage, and we we worked with them 
so that they are not, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to finances and here's how you work a credit card. So we taught them how to use it correctly so it mm-hmm. never becomes a detriment to mm-hmm. them. And we monitor it and we just, we walk with them so that we can release them to fly. But they need to hear stories from our lives of when we've missed it. See, people learn more from your mistakes than they do your successes. Mm-hmm. And your kids will actually learn more from your your failures than they do sometimes from your your successes. It's true. And so share, share those with them. Here's the fifth one. Don't let them wallow. Mm. Sometimes people are going to treat your kids um, unfairly, sad to say, but this happens. Or things are just going to go wrong in their life, right? And we, I think as parents, have to help our kids learn how to not, like how to deal with that, how to... Um, it's okay to cry. It's okay to um, talk out loud about how you're feeling, but not to get stuck in those feelings. Don't not to wallow get stuck. in the mud. Yes. No, we, we have to we have to teach them that because I actually and, and Tatum knows this. I will say to her, I'm so glad these kids. I'm glad our kids are going through that difficulty right there. Yeah. Because it's teaching them character and. Not because we want them to hurt, but because we see they're learning in this. They're they're growing. This is stretching them. It might be super uncomfortable because maybe they need to have a hard conversation with someone or um, they're sort of forced to do something that they don't love doing, but the situation has like made them. And in those situations, like it's that's where growth happens. So I would say um when I think about teaching our kids not to wallow also can happen in a, in a way where you know like they got hurt or they hurt someone, even from really young age to teen years to older. But helping, helping them to understand the power of like apology and not just how to um, receive it and offer forgiveness, but also how to do it themselves mm-hmm. can be modeled and started from a really from a really young age and should be as parents, we have to teach them that not to just continue to be mad at their friend or their brother or sister, whatever, because they hurt them, hit them, whatever it is. But like teaching them early on to say, I'm sorry. I remember specifically doing this um, for our kids when, of course, kids don't want to say they're sorry, but we made them like, I didn't give them a choice if they hit each other. Like, you know, they Mm -hmm. fought like any, any of your kids fought. And um, I would, of course, walk, talk through the conversation, say you're sorry. And if they would do it in a way that was like a, like they didn't actually mean it, I could tell they're just the sorry. Tone. The yeah. tone of it, that that wasn't enough. Like I was, because I care about the heart. Like I'm dealing with actually the motive and the intent of your heart. And it, you can't say you're sorry like that. I didn't let them do it. So we're going to, you're going to try, try it again. again. You're going to say it again. And I want you to say it like you mean it. And then they got the gist of what I'm really saying. For many years, we even made like our kids hug <laughs> or kiss when they were little. Like you say you're sorry and you say it like you mean it. And now I want you to hug them. And just sort of it's teaching in my opinion. Now, if I was at home during that time, I would say, hey, hug it out and then give each other like a, you know, a, a good, you know, a kiss. fist bump or something like well, that. Well, they would laugh a lot the older <laughs> yeah. that this isn't happening when they were teenagers, but I'm talking about kids, just the importance of teaching your kids that you can't get mad and just go slam the door and walk off. No, we're going to 
We're going to deal with sulk. it. We're going to no, teach you. We're, gonna deal we're not with wallowing it. in it. You're going to off. You're going to say I'm sorry, and you're going to offer forgiveness. And I don't care if you don't want to do it. You're still going to do it. Mm-hmm. We have to. That's our role. That's our job. We're raising them to be healthy adults who don't ignore problems and run away and slam doors. We talk about it. If we don't, they will become trapped in that kind of a lifestyle, that kind of a mentality. Yeah. And we'll model that as a husband or a wife one day, and that's not healthy. And then when something bad happens to them, they're the person that go and sulk and separate Pouts themselves. About and they pout days, about it for and, days. Yeah. And all these things. And now it just constantly uh, dominates their mind, and the enemy has his heyday with yeah. them. No. We're going to teach our kids not to wallow. We're going to rise above the challenges. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Here's the sixth one. Don't let them play the victim. Listen, we, we got to teach our kids, you're not a victim. You are a victor. You're a victor in Christ because of who God is. You are a mm-hmm. child of the king. Mm-hmm. And so when bad things happen, listen, they happen to all of us. Failure's not falling down. It's falling down and not mm-hmm. getting back up. We're not going to play the victim. We're going to have grit. We're going to rise up. We're going to keep on trying again. Listen, all of us, Miss it. All of us have things that happen in our lives, mm-hmm. uh, but we need to t- we need to train our kids. You can rise above the problems right here. Yeah, and I think this comes back to also just like not not always siding with um, this. Is, this might not sound like everybody wants to hear it, but not like siding with whoever your kid is blaming. Can I just say like I know my children enough, and I know they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I'm not always getting the full scope of the story that I'm hearing them talk about. I'm not saying I don't believe them, but I'm just saying give room for you to know that, hey, the scenario that that my child is telling me just happened with this teacher or with this friend on the playground or with whatever, there's always a little bit more to the story. And so help talk them out in that so that they're not necessarily playing the victim and making you think that it's very one-sided through... (laughs) through their lens or their explanation, it's all about perspective. So how can they look at the situation from a different perspective? Talk about Nash's roommate at, at CFNI, or his, his, his friend he just yeah. met. Perspective, that's exactly where I was going to go um, with this story because, um, so like Chris just told, to, told y'all, our son is at um, Bible College at Christ for the Nations. And... Um, he is, the school is in a really rough part of Dallas. So for those of you that live around the area, you know what Oak Cliff is. Um, it's like the area of Dallas where we don't want our children to go. We don't necessarily want to go hang out around there. There's nothing, there's a lot of crime that happens there. Um, anyway, Nash is at college and it's in Oak Cliff. And so when Chris and I um, went to move him in the day that we walked on campus, go up to the dorm rooms, if I can be honest, I'm thinking like, Lord Jesus, I know you called my son here. And so that's the only reason I could trust you because I feel like this is a rough, really rough area. He's kind he's kind of living, well, he is living in very old, very old housing with four guys in one bedroom with two bunk beds. And it's really tight and real dirty and just old and stinky. I'm just gonna tell you. Okay, so that's my thought. I'm thinking, I know God called Nash to go here, and I'm happy he's going here, but Lord. I'm praying all the prayers because we're in we're in Oak Cliff. We're mm-hmm. in a rough area. The fencing around like the dorms has like prison security fencing with like razor wrapped gates because it that it's a rough area. 
Okay, so now you get the picture of where he's at. So Nash meets a friend who is from um, who moved from India to come to school at CFNI, and um, last weekend. His James is his name. His friend came home with Nash to just hang out with us for the weekend. And James begins telling me how blessed he is that God brought him to such a nice place that he can live at CFNI, that he could have such a wonderful place to sleep. He is so thankful because in his village where he's from, he uh, they mostly have like rice and vegetables to eat, and he tells me that in India where where he lives, it's like once or twice a month that he can eat chicken. He doesn't really get it often. It's like a treat. But now that he lives at Christ for the Nations and he's on campus there, he can have chicken every single day in the cafeteria. He's genuinely telling me how grateful he is and how wonderful it is to live at CFNI. And it was it was the exact opposite of what I thought when I was sending my son there. And I just like had a heart check for me it is all about perspective and teaching our kids to not play. And Nash has never like played the victim or complained. I'm just telling you my perspective was like, Ooh, I'm sending Nash him into a rough. Come home. <laughs> We're him. like, Hey, you want to come home this weekend? He's like, Nope, I'm going to stay here. He likes it. He loves it. <laughs> but can you just see the difference? Like it is so much about how we look at a situation, our perspective and teaching our kids to see their life, their situation, their journey through a lens that is different than what the world often tells them, that you're just the victim of your situation, that the reason you act this way or the reason you do that or the reason that you're in this, you know, your family's like this is because it's always someone else's fault. You grew up on this side fault. of the tracks yeah. and it's because this happened in, in relationships and this person left you in your life. And yes. there's da, da, da. It's always someone else's fault. fault. And I'm just saying we are about raising children who take ownership and who believe in the call of God that's on their life. And there is absolutely nothing that they cannot do that they cannot become, not because of who they are, but because of who Christ is in them. You can be victorious over any circumstance or any situation that you're facing. And we can have actually kids who will be grateful for what they have and where they're at, regardless of how it measures up to the world. Like, grateful for the chicken they're eating in the cafeteria at CFNI mm-hmm. <laughs> in Oak Cliff, sleeping mm-hmm. in a metal bunk bed mm-hmm. with bugs and nastiness and everywhere. gunshots going off down yeah, the street. Yeah, I mean, perspective. Yeah. So as parents, we can teach our kids that. We can raise them to see things through the lens of, through a lens that is optimistic and not pessimistic. pessimistic. I love that. And I love your perspective on that. Because when I see don't play a victim, I think train the kids to be victorious and hold your head up high and keep swinging for the fence. And you keep making steps forward regardless of what's happened on the inside of you. I used to say it for years. If you want to be a victim, go get on Oprah. But if you want to be a victor, understand that you are a part of the kingdom of God. <laughs> and and that, that was my perspective on on your point there. But on, for, for you, you took it from a different way. And I kind of like yours just as much <laughs> as, as, my, as my perspective on that one. Number seven, the last one, and, and that's this. Hey, you want to raise rock-solid kids in, uh, in this generation? Teach them to celebrate the victories. So when, when they make, uh, you know, accomplish something for their grades, yeah. you know. And, you give them extra tickets. That's what we used to do. <laughs> and I never asked the kids to get, you know, straight A's. I just said, I want to see that you're doing your best. 
Yeah. That's all I expect of you is your best. And because not everyone is gifted in all these different areas, but just give me your best. And when they did, we celebrate. Tatum did a lot better job at celebration than I do. She's the one that just wants to go, let's let, let's go get ice cream, you know, down the street and let's go celebrate this. And we're going to have this great dinner or the mm-hmm. kids can stay up a little bit later and they all get a Coke because they never got Cokes mm-hmm. or they can go pick out their, their special sugar cereal or you know, whatever it is, you know, we celebrate victories when our kids are older now, you know, Mm -hmm. we'll take them to a little nicer restaurant or, Hey, we'll take you shopping. We'll get you something, but find different ways to celebrate the victories because what you appreciate gets repeated. So So what you celebrate gets repeated. So Mm -hmm. if, so don't just, don't just teach them to work hard for the sake of working hard and then not seeing any like reward for it. Like, Jesus is such a wonderful example, and heaven is, of rewards. Like, it's okay to reward. That's, like, heaven is full of rewards that we're going to get for. Yeah, people say, well, I don't want to incentivize my kids to do these things. I want them to do it just because. And then I said, well, then you're not going to enjoy heaven because heaven is an, it's It's incentivizing. So we talked about David and Goliath. Uh, People talk about, oh, David was such a righteous man, and he just decided to go, you know, take down Goliath. No, if you go read the story, he was incentivized. Hmm. There was something that came along. He asked the question, he said, what will be given to the dude that kills the giant? Mm -hmm. And they said, "Uh, you're going to get a a ton of money from the king. Number two, you're not going to have to pay taxes for the rest of your life, and you get to marry the girl. And it was at that point he looked up and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine (laughs) that dares to defy the armies of the Lord thy God? Like when there was a girl involved and some uh, incentives, man, he rose on up. And I I think that it's it's good to incentivize. I think it's good to celebrate uh, the victories that our kids... Accomplish. Uh, that they accomplish. Yeah. And I think that's one of our, our jobs as parents to to cheer them on. And if they if they experience defeat, don't let them wallow in it. Come on, buck up under Get it, little buckaroo. Up. You're a victor. Yeah. We're going to give them the right perspective. And let's go on. Let's try again. Let's take more risks. And we're not going to stop. We're going to keep on making great strides together. It's good. Awesome. This has been fun. Today's great. Hey, you guys are doing an awesome job raising children. God is with you. He's giving you his grace. Keep believing that God is raising up world changers in, in your, your home, family, in your home. Uh, that, that you are influencing maybe as nieces and nephews. Yep. And, and let's see God continue to do a great work in this, in this next generation. Amen. Love y'all. Hope you all see have you a guys. great week. Bye-bye.